Well, good evening. I know it's pretty much evening now on a Saturday um, here on January the 18th, and we're in Bible Bites, episode 18 today. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and um, for those of you that may be able to join, welcome. Welcome in, whether you join live or perhaps <clears throat> listen to this a little bit later on. And I'm encouraging uh, you, I hope you are doing this with me, that we try to read through the Bible again this year. I encourage you to do that every year. And um, if this is your first time, then welcome aboard. But please be reading your scriptures. I, I encourage you to do that. God's word is alive and it is his love letter to us and he wants us to be reading it. It's, it's the bread of life for us to feed upon. And um, so I encourage you with that. And welcome to you if you are able to join in. I know this is kind of an odd time. I don't normally do them this late. But, um, but anyway, God's will be done, and I'm trusting that it is a blessing to you um, when we can get together. So I wanted to go over our edition today, our episode today. And today we are starting the second book of the Bible, Exodus, the second book that Moses wrote in the Bible. And it is the book of Exodus. And you'll see through the scriptures that there's a weaving of, it's almost like a scarlet thread of redemption all the way through the Bible. And so in Genesis, remember Genesis was the book of beginnings. It told us about the foundation of everything. It told us about the beginning of creation, the beginning of man and woman, the beginning of sin, the beginning of the, the fall of Adam, the beginning of why we even need redemption why do we need salvation what happened and so we learn about the sin that separated us and um, broke that covenant relationship with God and so God is now on a path through the scriptures a path of redemption to bring us the Messiah who will come and redeem us back to that covenant relationship and have that restored like Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden with God. That's what his whole purpose is. So he's continuing through the scriptures. And God is very selective in the scriptures. There's much more that we, I'm sure, that was happening and many more people we could be reading about. But God is very selective because he's weaving his thread of redemption and he's really focusing on the things that pertain to that. Now, as Christians, when we get to heaven, we'll be able to sit down with all of these people. We'll be able to sit down with the Lord, and we can find out the whole stories of, of all the other things that were going on. But God has chosen to reveal certain things to us because they fit with his revelation of what we need to know and what he wants us to know about his love for us and about his plan to restore us to a covenant relationship with him. So praise God for that. So now, in the last episode, we finished out Genesis. We talked about um, the death of Jacob, and we talked about how he blessed his children. And then we see <clears throat> that Joseph dies as well. And so now we come into Exodus, and it's been you know many, many years, hundreds of years, since the time of Joseph and Jacob. And Jacob's family has moved to Egypt. We saw that in those last chapters of Genesis. And so now we see how things have changed. There's a new Pharaoh 
um, on the throne in Egypt ruling, and he didn't know Joseph, and he didn't know the Hebrew people, and he was scared of them, and he was threatened by them because they were becoming so numerous and everything, and he was all scared that they would turn on him and not be loyal and all of that. So they began to afflict the Jewish people, and they put taskmasters over them and gave them hard labor. And the king of Egypt even came to the point of telling the midwives of the Hebrews, hey, if they have a boy child, throw it in the river and kill it, drown it. Only let the girls live. And uh, that was an awful thing. And I just praise God that God had a, a pua and a shifra. If you read in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, it gives us their names, shifra and pua. And we need a few of those today that are willing to fight for the sanctity of human life. And so they, they feared God and they recognized that every child is precious to God. So they would not kill the boy children. And, but Pharaoh was threatened by the boys and <clears throat> afraid that they were going to grow up and become warriors and, and take his throne or war against him or whatever. And so um, he's trying to kill them off. But God, but God, God had a plan. And so God tells us in chapter 2 about one special Hebrew family. And it was um, Amram and Jochebed. We learn about their names a little bit later on. But they had a boy child. And that mother had wisdom from God. She had discernment from God in some way. And she knew that this child, this boy was going to be special and God was going to use him in a powerful, special way. So she, I believe, under the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in some form or fashion, had a wise plan. And she said, okay, well, I'm going to preserve him. So she hid him for three months, but then the child was no longer able to be hid. He was getting to the point that he was maybe crying and moving about and, and other things that she just could no longer hide the fact that he was a little baby boy. And so she decided to put him in a, in a basket, in an ark, and she put it over there in the reeds of the um, river, the Nile River, where, where the princess of Egypt and the maidens would come and bathe. And then she had little Miriam, Moses' sister, to watch it and to let her know what was going on with that baby boy. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> excuse me, as God would have it, the daughter of Pharaoh comes to bathe in the water, a princess in Egypt. And she comes to bathe in this water and she sees the basket and she sends, she sends for the basket. And then she looks in, the child cries. And God has placed somehow inside of her a spirit of compassion in that moment. And she had compassion on the child. Well, Miriam comes up. Look at how good God is. Miriam comes up and says, hey, um, you need someone to nurse the child. I know someone. I can go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you. H how good is God that the child that that Pharaoh wanted to destroy 
ends up being saved by Pharaoh's daughter and then nursed by his own mother. And not only that, paid by Pharaoh's daughter to nurse him until he was weaned. How beautiful and how good and gracious God is when that mother simply entrusted that baby to God. She did not know when she put him in the basket and left him in the river, she did not know what was going to happen to him. She had no way of knowing that. And yet she entrusted him to God. And look at what God did. He gave him back to her for however many years that was. I think typically they would wean them. It was around five years, I believe, three to five years or maybe even a little bit higher. And so during that period of time, she had a foundational time to pour into Moses the things of God, the things of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his God. And so she would train him and I'm sure pray over him and bless him in, in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she had that time given back to her by God to prepare this boy. And then she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he was schooled and raised up in Egypt as a prince of Egypt. And then we, we read the story about what happened and how he had ended up uh, killing an Egyptian and then he thought it was discovered. So he fled from Pharaoh and he went into Midian and he ended up in Midian, which is uh, modern day Saudi Arabia, I believe. And he gets to, um, he, get, he goes in there, he finds a well, he helps <clears throat> some women who are shepherdesses, he helps them to draw water for their flocks, and then when Jethro finds out who it is, he sends for him. So he ends up getting Zipporah as wife, um, Jethro's daughter. And then in chapter 3, <laughs> we see the call of Moses. Here, Moses has been there now 40 years. At 40 years old, he fled Egypt. Now it's been another 40 years, and God in heaven decides it's now time for Moses to show up on the scene. It's time for my people to, to find deliverance. And so God calls Moses, and he does it by coming in in a fiery, uh, fiery presence to this bush, but the bush doesn't burn. And so it intrigues Moses, and he goes, and, and the Bible says that he turned aside to see this great sight. And when Moses turned aside to see the sight, God spoke to him and called to him. And Moses said, here I am. And then God tells him, he says, Moses, I've been hearing the cry of my people. Oh, I want to read this to you. In verse 7, it says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he goes on and he talks about that promise. Remember the promise that he had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob about their land that we now know to be the land of Israel. Hallelujah. And so God is aware of their burdens. He's aware of their afflictions. And that's true still today. When we're going through things, when we're crying out to God, he hears us and he knows and he has a plan in his perfect timing 
to bring the rescue and the deliverance that we need. And so now it was God's perfect timing to send Moses on the scene. And when God called him, God says later in, the, in those same passages, he says, Come now, therefore, in verse 10, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But I want you to notice this. But Moses said to God in verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring up the children of Israel out of Egypt? Notice Moses' humility. Now, there may be that Moses is thinking, okay, you know, I remember fleeing from there because I killed somebody back there. But notice the humility here. Moses says, God, this is a great task. This is a great thing you want done. Who am I to do this? And, and I think that that's a common feeling and a common thought and question that many of us that are called, I'm called to teach God's word. But many times I've gone to God and I've said, God, who am I? Who am I that I would take the precious word of God and be able to speak it forth as if, I, as if it were God himself speaking it forth to stand in his place and speak for him. It's an awesome and a serious thing. And I see that here. I see Moses' humility, and I also see him taking that seriously. Hallelujah. But God had him to be this deliverer. And so we know that he goes back and forth in this chapter, and again, we'll read more in chapter 4, where God is communicating, and Moses are they're communicating back and forth. And Moses is trying to, to ascertain certainty about his calling and, and those kinds of things. But I want you to notice one last thing. And that is when Moses says, what, what name? What am I going to say to them when they ask me about the name? In verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The God that we serve, beloved, the God that we Christians serve, the God that we pray to, the God that we read about in the scriptures, the God that we know intimately is the great I am. And that is another word. It's, it's drawn from the, the Hebrew tetragrammaton that most Jew, the Jews will not even speak they believe it's so reverent, they call it the name, Hashem. And it is Yahweh, yud Hey vav Hey, the name Yahweh. He is the I am that I am. And I love that because what he's saying is the same as when you go to the book of Revelation and he declares that I am um, the one who, who was and who is and who is to come. In other words, in another place, it's recorded Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that we Christians serve is the great I am. He is now what he has always been in the past. He is now what he will always be in the future. He was in the past what he is now and what he will always be in the future. And in the future, he is what he was always and what he is now and always will be. It's a continuity, it's a contingence, it's a continuous um, existence in the same way. 
He doesn't change. He doesn't have these mood swings like we do where, you know, he'll change his mind based on just a whim or something like that. You know, he has a a bad day. He doesn't have any bad days. He is the same. He always is loving, always has been, always will be. He always is merciful, always has been, always will be. He always is holy and reverend and revered. He always has been has been, and he always will be. He is always righteous in all of his ways and perfect in all of his ways. He always has been. He is now, and he always will be. The I am, the great I am, is the one that appeared to Moses and called him. The great I am is the one that we're in covenant relationship with, and he's the same God that spoke to Moses out of that burning bush. And he speaks to us today, to all who will listen. I pray that this message will be a blessing to you. And I trust that God will bless you tonight and and all through your life. And that you will enjoy and be blessed by the reading of God's word daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me and join me again for another episode of Bible Bites. God bless you.